0: Hello, world. Welcome back to the ISSA podcast, Trainers Talking Truth. We are so happy to have you with us. I am co-host Jenny Scott, product developer and master trainer with ISSA. With me, my co-host, Dan, the man, Duran. What's up, Dan? How are you doing?
1: Happy to be here. Happy to be here, Jenny.
0: Absolutely. I'm super excited about our topic today. I'm talking a little bit about like online training, virtual training, what it's like, what you need, um, and how you can be successful in it. Um, a lot of people are taking that step. So there's there's a lot to know about it and a lot to be prepared for. Um, so Dan, tell us about our guest today.
1: Yeah, yeah. So Hugh Hanley, I met Hugh Hanley in 2015. So gosh, what is that? Six years ago. Uh, At a conference, and have since got to know him very well. He's an amazing man and a real expert in the fitness industry. He's currently the COO of ESP Fitness. Prior to that, he was the CIO of My PT Hub. And when I met him initially, he was the head of fitness at Virgin Active and uh, got to spend some time with him in London. So I am really happy that uh, he was here today. And I I can't do it justice. So I'm going to ask you. If you could give us a little bit of a background, how you got your start in fitness, and and how you got to where you are today.
2: Cheers, Dan, and cheers, guys, for having me. Yeah, uh, I just realized as you introduced me there, there's a lot of C's and a lot of O's in my career, so <laughs> I clearly am uh, drawn to that that title. So. I started in fitness about 20 plus years ago. Uh, Like most people, I came in as a fitness coach, working the gym floor, moved into PT ranks, loved PT, and then just kind of went into PT management and then worked my way up. And I always, even throughout my career, I just loved PT. And I always saw myself as a PT. So even when I got into roles where we met Dan as head of fitness, and you're obviously then trying to grow a PT business in the commercial line. I always just saw it through the lens of a trainer. And I think that's why... For myself, I've been relatively successful in those roles, in those senior roles, because I always thought about the days what it was like for me to be on the gym floor working with clients, and I kept that at the forefront. So did that. Then, as you said, head of fitness, a PT at Virgin Active. At that time, we had 1,100 personal trainers working inside the business, which was wow. which was just awesome, and we were just rocking and rolling. You know, we were growing so fast. The trainer energy was electric, and I know we did a couple of events with you, Dan, where we used to get our trainers together one day of the year and just give them tons of free education to engage them into the business and the vision of the business. So that was cool. I did that. And then I, um, when that, when I, that, when I outgrew that role, uh, I went into tech. So I did fitness uh, PT tech, where I worked with my PT hub, which was awesome. I was there as chief information officer and that is just an online personal training client management tool. So everything a personal trainer needs to do to get online. Uh, and the reason I took that, career choice was at Virgin Active we actually digitalized our business about three and a half years ago so we're probably one of the first businesses to spot the trend of trainers going online and jumped on it Uh, and then I moved into actual tech full-time. I did that and then COVID hit and tech just literally went through the roof Uh, and it was awesome and we actually took that business through an acquisition and then I decided for me I wanted to go back into a bit more of a product in the, in a facility role. So I work for ESP, which is elite sports performance, and we do kit designing gym facilities, uh, strength and conditioning kit, working with uh, top end facilities and pro athletes. So yeah, it's enjoyable and a, a big mix of personal training into a bit more operational
1: at the moment, but I'm just enjoying the challenge and the ride at the moment.
0: That's awesome.
1: Before Jenny hits you with another question, I'm going to throw in a little uh, aha moment that I, I just realized while you were speaking, Hugh, uh, two things occurred uh, thanks to you in, in my uh, career. Number one, I got to speak to the largest group of people I've ever spoken to. I think we, we ended up with 800 at VA Live. And it was during that event that I realized I was going bald because I was walking up the stage, yeah. walking up the stage and the cameras were behind me. And I looked up and saw myself on the screen and saw this big bald head (laughs) on the screen. It was a real aha moment. So I want to thank you, Hugh, for that opportunity. Uh, It was (laughs) definitely... Happy to be there. Happy to be there for you in
2: your moment, Dan. (laughs)
0: That's so awesome, Dan. That reminds me of like when you teach people to do like hyperextension stretches from standing and you ask them to look over their shoulder or look for your heel. And you're like, wow, is that what my ankle looks like from the back? <laughs> you have no idea what you look like from behind unless somebody takes a picture. <laughs> but it's like when you go into the changing room
2: mirrors, you know, they have three different angles. And yes. all of a sudden people are like, there's something hanging on the side of my back. And you're like, yes, <laughs> yes. We Yes, trained as have been telling you we need to work on stuff. <laughs>
0: Oh, that's a good point, Hugh. Yeah. Target, you guys need to work on your mirrors because I have dimples on my bottom, Uh, and that's not the case. That's not true.
1: (laughs) And Jenny is a a very high level competitor. You just competed this weekend, right?
0: I did. I just competed last weekend. I got second place in both my categories. So
1: congrats. Is it physique competing
0: or what is it you compete in? Yeah, I compete in figure. Amazing. Well done. Thank you.
1: 24th show, right?
0: Uh, Yeah, that was 24. So 25th is coming up in July. Amazing. Good luck with that. Fair play. Thank you. Um, Hugh, one of my favorite things you said when you were talking about how you got to where you're at is that you started as a trainer and how that's made you so much more successful because not only are you creating these amazing products and now with your current company with ESP, you're creating these amazing facilities. Um, Like I've been checking out your website and I love that part of it. I don't know why, maybe it's like the voyeuristic part of looking at a floor plan, but (laughs) I love that aspect of fitness. Like how you plan out a facility makes a huge difference in what people get out of it. But the fact that you can look at it from the trainer brain and say, is this a good spot to have XYZ or this piece of equipment or this screen? Um, you're looking at it from a completely different viewpoint. Um, but that's made you super successful. I've seen the same thing. So to listeners out there who are, you know, just a trainer and I use air quotes for that, that doesn't mean you have to stay as just a trainer. There's so many different paths that you can go. And I mean, like you said, you've meandered through, you know, technology, you've meandered through training, um, trainers and then now you've gotten to where you're at now like the the possibilities are endless
2: yeah and I agree Jen. I think it's it's fascinating having spent 20 years on a gym floor and walking a gym floor it's it's about understanding as a PT how do I want to actually work with my client program my client and you see some facilities sometimes get it so wrong where you know they might have a, a squat rack over here but the leg press might be or the leg extension is the other side of the gym yeah and you're like you're not thinking of the experience of that user and that's that's not just in personal training it goes to yoga like if somebody's coming in to have a wellness experience don't bring them through a strength and conditioning area because all of a sudden they're getting uptight before they even get to the yoga facility so you really want i I enjoy that part of it you're thinking about you know it's not just what a trainer wants because we're all you know trainers we go well i like to train this way but it's what does your client want and how does your client want to train as well when they're not with you and that's the most exciting part for me is because I'm always thinking with my trainer head in my current role. But then I'm thinking, but what about the when they're not with me? How do I want them to train and how do I want them to feel when they're not being show, you know, taken through a gym like me, with me standing beside them? Um, and that's fascinating. And you know what the most point I see people get so wrong, so I'm going off now again, is... The amount of landmines I see in the wrong place in gyms <laughs> is just this big bar just appears and it's like tripping yep. the wall, or else they put it halfway across a walkway and you're like, "Oh, yeah, it's tripping has a
0: the <laughs> member experience." Yep. No, that's a great point. I've worked at some awesome training facilities. I'm not going to name any names, but yeah, to get to Pilates, um, you have to walk through the, the the cardio area. You have to walk through the open freeway area, yeah. past all the racks. And then you go into Pilates and I'm like, I would be stressed too. <laughs> yeah. And
2: then you listen to like people dropping barbells and grunting and you're, you're kind of standing there thinking I came in here to switch off and now I'm really uncomfortable.
0: <laughs> right. So yeah, it's, uh, I like
2: that side of it of planning the facilities around thinking of the experience and then obviously then even from a trainer perspective, as a trainer, where can I go and measure my clients, assess my client in private? Because obviously there's some assessment you want to do in private and a lot of facilities sometimes don't have those rooms or, the, or don't look after trainers in that respect.
0: Absolutely. That makes perfect sense. Well, speaking of like being, using your trainer brain, what kind of technology are you finding that trainers are needing or are using, like, especially during the pandemic, what kind of technology are they using? So I think it, the pandemic was really
2: interesting because I was actually in a, as I was saying, I was in a tech company and it was the yeah, obviously zoom which we're using just was a, a a race to the bottom everyone was going online and i don't know how many times i saw 9 a.m live um you know strength and conditioning class are live hit class tomorrow at 9 a.m and everyone was just giving away you know through no fault of their own just free stuff to try get people moving and inspire them and then uh, they had a few months down the road how do i actually make money in? out of this now because I've given all this free stuff and it's very hard to start charging when you've given away free going actually the class next Monday is now £15 so I think it was a real like mix and match of people just rushing uh, what we saw re- really good was a lot of trainers looking at um, creating digital products inside a, inside a platform So actually something that they could tangibly, you know, charge for and actually coach people along and then building different sort of business models with that. So I saw initially the rush to Zoom and then trainers all of a sudden realizing I'm not making money here. What can I do? And then they kind of got into this tech space around. I need to understand actually how I create a digital product that somebody might want to buy. And whether that was all digital or there was a, a, an element where I might be coaching you through a screen, it was part of the price point of what you paid for. So they tried to put the personal touch back into it. Um, and there was great software out there at the time, and it's, it's evolving even so much more. But the biggest thing of the pandemic was mental trainers I spoke to was just helping them get online because they, they didn't know where to start. And then, the, the rug just got pulled away so quickly.
0: Absolutely. So when you say like applications or software, like, are there certain types of software? Is it like an app where I send my client into it and their workouts loaded? Is it something where it's a live interface or are there a mix?
2: There's a a mix. There's some of them that are just purely like uh, you would go online like uh, here and I'd be able to see you train and I'd be able to just make your workouts. You'd be able to see the different exercises appear and I'd have live data coming through from an Apple watch or my zone belt. Gotcha. So I could have an intensity based session with you. And that's obviously important if you're doing something through a screen. I need to see the intensity because otherwise you'll just pull a few faces and I'm thinking it's hard. <laughs> but actually, yeah, I'm struggling now. So intensity is great when you were coaching live. So there was good apps for that. And then the next element was a lot of trainers were building out the digital products, which is like you do, you know, a six an eight or a 12 week program. And in there, they would have their own exercise library, and they would assign it based on the client's needs. And that could be like, obviously, my PT hub, who I work for, are a trainerized. So, mm-hmm. and actually an app that basically created digital products that you could charge for. And then the member would either do it on their own, or you might have a one session a week where you would actually check in with them live. They were kind of the main apps we saw. Then a lot more were coming into the market. But they just didn't nail it because it's hard to understand that trainer mindset and actually what a trainer wants. Um, And now that we've gone back to a bit of the club's opening, you've got trainers now in that hybrid world where they're struggling to go, well, what do I do? Do I do one to one in the physical or do I try stay online? And they're really, really trying to struggle with that one.
0: Yeah. Do you think that people are leaning one way or the other? and, And is there a reason for that? Uh, and I could be
2: controversial saying this. I think <laughs> uh, some trainers are, are are doing very well online. You yeah. know, they're making great money, but they will be the minority. I think uh, other trainers think they're going to go online and make a ton of cash, and they're the ones that potentially mightn't want to walk a gym floor and do the graft. You know, meet the clients, and, and they're like, "I'm just going to go online and and be successful." I think the good trainers and the ones that are, bar the ones that are like the top few are making great money online, the hybrid model is a safer bet. Uh, And actually, as you grow, you can decide where you wanna go. But I would, personally for me, I would do hybrid. I would probably do 70% to 80% of my time as a one-to-one trainer working with clients. And I would subsidize my income through a digital product offering. And this, I think this is great because as a trainer, You know, pre COVID, most trainers were only earning one way of income, which was working with a client. And now they're open, and your client is open to the fact that digital products and digital tools are okay. So as a trainer, you have more ways of earning than you
0: ever had before. Absolutely. I, I definitely agree with that. Like start in person. So if you're new out there into the industry, you just got certified and you're like, sweet, I'm going to go online. Maybe not like, I I agree with you. Hughes. start with the in-person because there's so much, there's so many skills that you have to learn, like how to talk to people, how to interact with people, how to close a sale, like that you can't, it's hard to do online or it's very different online. Are there any specific skills that you feel like as a personal trainer in person, when you first started that, if you didn't know that you wouldn't be as, as successful as you are now?
2: Yeah, and I think even looking back now, I think the biggest thing I've learned is tech cannot replace your community. Uh, And as a trainer, you know, we make our clients our community and we really look after them. Now, where tech is great is it can help you engage those clients more by actually seeing, you know, if somebody's uploaded a workout, you can comment and go, great to see you've done your session. Uh, So it's giving you a bit more exposure to connect to them, but it doesn't replace the community. Um, And I think what I see a lot, like I say, I see a lot of trainers is they're spending more time just online posting social, hoping that that's just going to rocket for them versus coming out of back of house and walking a gym floor and interacting with members. Uh, and, And the reality is no matter what you do, it's a numbers game. You know if you're going to walk a gym floor, you got to do your interactions and turn them into conversions. Like you guys know this better than anyone, it's the same in the tech space. You got to do your blogs, you got to do your social media posts, and yeah. then you got to get those leads and then you got to nurture those leads through free product offering, which is the same as a taster in a gym club. And then you try pitch to them to turn them into clients. But that hybrid or physical is the same journey, but at Too many trainers think I'll put up a nice sexy picture online, get a few likes, and then those people will spend money with me. And I'm like, I've seen so many trainers through what I did at my PTO, but it's not that easy. you got to invest time into building social, same way you do in a a gym
0: floor. So true. That's why I tell my athletes all the time. It's never going to be easy. It's always going to be work. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. It's time for another ISSA Rapid Review. Lauren from North Carolina had this to say about the ISSA CPT course: "There's so much I didn't know, so much I've learned for life. I call it the big book." Thanks, Lauren.
1: So, a lot of really uh, some real key points mentioned here: getting the experience on the the gym floor, not just you know posting a picture and thinking people are going to you know open their wallets to and so forth. So considering a lot of this great conversation, if you were, if you were putting together a recipe, you know, like baking a cake and it's this much flour, this much sugar, this much baking powder, and I'm gonna cook it for this. Time. If you're putting the perfect recipe together, in your opinion, what's that recipe look like for somebody who says, you know, I do wanna build an online business? What are those components? What are those ingredients that you would put in there?
2: Yeah, that's a huge question. Dad. <laughs> That is a huge question. Uh, We always look at the four P's. It's the simplest way of of me remembering it because I forget it all the time. But one is your passion. So what is it that you're actually passionate about? So what part of the industry is it that you're really passionate about? So you know, if it's physique competing, you know, you're best off spending your time working with people that are interested in weight loss. And then the next step would be physique. You know, for someone like yourself, Dan, it's going to be people who are interested in clients and stuff. So it's, a, sorry, in a or ultra marathons. So it's really understanding what you're passionate about, because if you fake it, you know, people will see through that. And, you know, if someone like me, if I was to work with triathlete, I'm completely the wrong trainer for that. I don't enjoy it. I don't understand why people want to do it running. I just, I can't comprehend. <laughs> Same. Yeah, I can't comprehend it. I'm like, surely before I eat, you just eat a little less rather than have to go out and run all that distance.
0: <laughs> Great. So, what are you running from?
2: <laughs> I know, yeah. So I'd say it's find out what you're passionate about. And then it's really understanding the type of people you're going to target. And then by people, it would be, you know, what's their demographic? What is their type of incomes important? And I don't, and I don't mean that in a, in, a, in a really like, oh, you've got to only go after wealthy people. It's so you can understand your price point. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're thinking actually, uh, you know, I, I want to cast my net wide and I want to get weight loss people, but the majority of people I'm looking mightn't be able to afford 50, 60 pound for a weight loss product. Well, then you got to go with a low entry of, you know, 10, 15 pound price point. So it's understanding what the type of people it is. If I'm looking at office workers who are in central London, I'm probably going to bump my price point up because they're a bit more affluent, and I can probably give them a bit better service because I expect it. So that's the second P. The third one is the problem. So what is the problem I try, I'm trying to solve? And like we said, that could be weight loss or working with someone on, who's a triathlete. And then how? And the final one is the product. So what does all that come together? And what is the product I offering in the digital space? And that will be then how you build your business model of that product. So if it's a weight loss journey, is it a four, eight, 12 week weight loss journey? What sort of healthy habits are you going to coach without throughout that product? And then you put it all together and then you have your price point of what that is that you're trying to do. So I would always go with the four P's and then people just need to get a piece of paper and write down exactly what it is. And then once you are deciding what tech you're going to use, the four P's stay the same. You just got to build out your business model under, underneath that.
0: That makes perfect sense. Making sure that the product is, I, I never really thought about it like that. Making sure the product is consistent. It's not going to be the same product for every person, principle of individuality, but that you're delivering the same you know talking points, the same education to every client. Yeah. And I like how you relate your price to um, what... The people expect as far as your service. I never really yeah. thought about that either. Um, so it's not just picking a price point. I'm going to charge, like I charge hundred dollars an hour for in-person training, but for a hundred dollars an hour, what are they going to get for it? Yeah. You know, and the, the more affluent the, the customer, the more they're going to expect for the money, but they'll also be willing to pay you more. Really good idea, yeah. Hugh.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Glad you got something from
0: it. I know that's super (laughs) smart. I've never like, I'm not trying to grow my business personally. And not a lot of people can say that they're in that spot, but I turn down people every day mostly because like, I've, I'm trying to find that work-life balance. Right. And especially like, even with online, it's really easy to be on your phone or on your tablet or on your computer, working with clients constantly. And then you feel burnt out because you never feel like you can step away. Um, But for me, I've decided like, yeah, I'm just not taking new clients. I'll I'll give you advice here and there, but I'm not going to take you on as a client mostly because I would like to sit on the sofa and not do anything for one day. Yeah. <laughs> you but, know, that's or... where,
2: uh, but that's where tech can really enable because tech can work when you yeah. don't want to work. You know, you create your systems, you create your programs, you create your healthy coaching habits, and then you create like a price point that actually somebody buys a digital product from you. They appreciate they're not going to get the one-to-one service, but they might want to buy like your six-week, you know, physique program. And then you create all the different habits. You create some workouts and some sample nutrition. And then the tech guides them through that. And then you effectively are making money while you're sitting on the couch.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So that's where like I use trainerize, you mentioned trainerize earlier, great platform. And it has the ability through the desktop platform specifically to create the workouts and save them as a master workout or a master program. And then yes, I can assign it to all my different clients if I wanted to, but the thing is upfront, people don't realize it takes a lot of effort and a lot of work to build a good program in there. So sometimes it just takes like a year to build it with four different clients, but now I have it and I can distribute it to 50 different clients. Um, But again, it's not easy. It's going to be work and you have to put it in on the front end. Yeah, no, I agree. You have to
2: work a lot in tech, whereas people just think they go online, get an app and it's golden. You got to work hard.
1: Well, that that sounds pretty familiar to the the fitness floor experience, doesn't it, Hugh? I mean, you've hired and onboarded thousands of trainers and I believe there's some perception there, uh, misperception that either A, I'm well-educated or I look good, be whatever it may be. The people are just going to be lining up and uh, yeah. we know it doesn't, it, it's work.
2: Yeah, it okay. is. You know, if, that's what I, used to say, I say to trainers is like, you know, I wouldn't give you know, over here pounds wise, but I wouldn't give 70 pounds to someone just because I like them. <laughs> you got to have a little bit of value. you got to show me what you're going to do for me and then I'll buy into you. But ultimately, you got to create that connection. And that doesn't happen by just coming over and high five and because you look good on a gym floor.
1: Absolutely. Love it. So a uh, quick question here, and, and I know you've been on some panels recently, so this is not a new question for you, Hugh. Where do you think the future of fitness is headed, considering what we've just experienced in the last, I guess it's been over a year? Very common question. And, and now as we're coming out of it, what are your thoughts?
2: Uh, I think, uh, you know, people will go back to the gyms, Definitely. I think uh, digital will be a support tool and it will stay and it will grow. I don't think it's going to become the, the be all and end all. I think what you'll see is facilities will up their game because they'll know people are going to come for great experiences. I'm going, to steal, I'm going to steal a line that I heard on a podcast. I don't know what podcast it was months ago, but it was basically going, we've had kitchens in our houses for years, but yet we always go out to eat. And it's so true. It's like, Ooh, yeah, I've had all these gyms at home and all these workouts on apps, but we're still going to know that we can get back out. I want to go to a great facility and have an even better experience than I had a year ago. So I think facilities will up their game. And then I think tech will still be a way to connect. I think there'll be three business models and I'll keep it short, but I think you're going to have um, you're going to have a, a traditional member who goes to a facility or goes works with a trainer. You'll have a hybrid member who basically decides I want to work with a trainer or that facility, but I want to do a couple of sessions at home. And then you'll have this connected member who actually just wants to work with that trainer or that facility and that could be that's where it's really exciting this third business piece that nobody's talking about because if i wanted to work with you as my physique coach i can now connect to you in, in the states and you can coach me and help me but i don't have to be in the hybrid world and i don't have to be a traditional member i can be just bought into you and what you offer me i think that's the really cool offering that trainers have got now that would never existed before So I think there's more ways for trainers to ever earn. And I think facilities are just going to have to up their game and really think about the member experience and what's going to bring me away from my home or my Peloton bike because I want to have a great experience when I do leave home.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I think 2020 blew up the world in general, but it blew up fitness in a good way. Um, I think the change is good. It was much needed, um, but it's expanded the industry for tons of people, whether you're a member, a client or an actual fitness professional, there's going to be so many opportunities. So cool.
2: It's really exciting. and I know trainers had a tough year, but it's right now is a great time to be a trainer if they got through it, because there's so many ways to earn money and there's so much great opportunity. And so many people want help more than ever.
0: Absolutely. And like the underlying thing, and one thing that you've made a point of, Hugh, is the personal connection. It still has to be there, that community, the interactions. Um, With ISSA, we aim to prioritize these personal connections, and we provide exceptional service. We build our customer service. um, We build everything through relationships. But how do you personally prioritize your personal connections?
2: Yeah, so uh, I always try to make a a commitment to go face-to-face when I can. Uh, not always easy. I always try then. if I have to do something digital, I try to do the, the Zoom connection because I think it's nice to see look someone in the eyes. Uh, and then for me, I always just go, whether it's in a management role or just working with clients or just in my personal life, I always just make sure I deliver what people expect me. I'm really tied on. I got two young kids and that, you know, if, if all I do in my life, with my kids is inst- instilling them deliver on your word. You know, yeah. You'll have the connections of anyone you want because people will keep working with you and they'll look forward to spending time with you because they know you're a person of your word. Um, so I just that's how I do it. I just try to meet the human as much as possible and but always deliver. Even if I can't uh, be there with someone, I make sure I deliver what they've asked of me.
0: Absolutely. You heard it here first, guys. Your word is your bond. Absolutely. Yeah. That's why I'm still talking to Dan six years later. <laughs> What did he promise you? (laughs) Was it cookies? Were there cookies involved?
2: Have you ever seen how much coffee he has first thing in the morning before he goes for his run?
0: Yes, I've seen
1: his Mountain Dew cup. And it's not a cup, it's uh, like a vat. that That has green tea in it. That has no. Great like
2: when, I, when I saw you at Wembley, you had coffee in it, and I was like, "No wonder you're running 25 miles."
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. When I go overseas, metabolize all the caffeine. <laughs> yeah, when I go overseas, I live on coffee. It's uh, and if you've worked with me more than once, you know that that's that's what I'm asking for throughout the day. So I tend to have a lot of it offered to me. Yes, that's that's my uh, that's one of my weaknesses.
0: Yeah. Oh my goodness, Dan. I'm gonna send you some crystal light packets, probably just as bad. I know.
1: <laughs> it is, yeah. No, I drink green tea. I so I was addicted full out to Diet Pepsi for 20 years. Yeah, I had a, a big jug like that Mountain Dew jug you saw. And I and, and I just told this story recently. So I, I don't think it was here, but I and I was also a metal fabricator in my early years. So I built things. And so I always had a special holder made. In my patrol cars, in my personal cars, all my cars made out of aluminum or steel that held that jug. And I had Diet Pepsi in it for 20 years. I didn't drink water. Wow. So uh, nice. green tea and uh, water uh, is definitely, the, you know, it took a long time to break that habit, but um. That's it. For I, me I don't
0: think people get the, the the gravity of what you're saying that you had a holder made for this mug. You oh, guys yeah. imagine like a side plate, not your dinner plate, but like the salad plate. That's how wide this this mug oh, yeah. is. He had a cup holder made for this.
1: Oh, yeah. That's I obnoxious. knew all the cheap places <laughs> to fill it. And I filled it up before I went home at night so that I could drink it all night long. Absolutely.
0: How did you sleep? Didn't you uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't
1: know. I was, you know, fitness saved my life. And I think every one of us can talk about how fitness health and fitness or healthier choices have made a massive impact on impact on our lives, which I think we would all agree is why we do so much to try to, to share what we've learned uh, to help others overcome similar or even different situations. So they can lead a, you know, a better, happy, healthier life. and and experience all the things that that are out there that you can't when you're not healthy 100 absolutely
0: so hugh if people want to check out the software that you guys offer at esp
1: or your site
0: planning um how do they get a hold of you or your company
2: yeah, so it's ESP Fitness Official. is the, ESP Fitness is the Instagram. And then the website is ESP Fitness. Just put it in and we'll pop up. And uh, yeah, so obviously anything anyone wants to do, they can reach out and talk to us. And if they're looking for me directly, I'm just at like Hugh Hanley. Uh, although I haven't posted. I fall in and out of love of social media so rapidly. It's ridiculous. <laughs> you know, I, I post and then I lose interest for like four months and then I post again and I lose interest. So yeah, I need to get better. It's the modern work currency, isn't it? Yeah.
0: Absolutely. I'm with you. <laughs> well, definitely check out the ESP website, you guys. A lot of great stuff on there. They've got some videos from YouTube too that explain their products and how they work. Phenomenal ideas, phenomenal software that you guys offer, ways to help people improve their performance. Yeah. Um, really cool stuff.
2: Absolutely. And thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure hanging hang out with you guys. Always a pleasure, mate. Always a
1: pleasure.
0: Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Absolutely. And with that, we remind you to uh, make good choices. We'll talk to you guys next time. Yeah.